right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, Robert Steak and Seth Barnador. Fellas, we are so close to an actual live USF college football game. I can almost quite literally taste it. Let's go. We're in our we're in our mock game week right now. Uh Steve's so excited he had to, he had to jump off for a second. But we're we're in our own mock game week right now. We're excited. Uh you know, what are we like 10 days ish? Ish. Yeah. So uh that'll be fun. And then the game will happen, and then it may be fun still, or it may be a nightmare. I agree. Uh you know, this 2023 season for your South Florida Bulls. Um it, there's a lot of expectations. Um, some, some rightly, some um, not so much. And I think that's kind of what we're gonna talk talk about tonight um, on this edition of Pod by the Bay. We're gonna talk about the South Florida Bulls 2023 and 2023 only expectations as we careened towards September 2nd at 3.30 p.m. at Western Kentucky on CBS Sports Network. The Vegas odds have USF's over-under at four wins. Um, That seems like the good jumping-off point. Seth, let's let's throw it to you. We're going to do it tier. tier. There's going to be three different tiers. Worst-case scenario – realistic scenario best case scenario let's start let's go worst to best or right. and we'll go from there absolute worst case scenario for you under head coach Alex Golish in year one of this new uh regime right so I think if you're thinking worst case scenario um I I would say that the 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 game against Florida A&M despite being close in S. SP plus. I think that should be a win, even if the team's not great this year. You have enough talent and you should be able just to kind of line up and run the ball and and, and control that game pretty well. Um, and then you have a Charlotte team. I guess the worst case scenario would really be that, you know, your transfers come in, they don't gel, your defense stays really poor. Your offense isn't quite able to put it together because there are question marks. I think there's talent at receiver, but there's still question marks like who's going to be the guy. Um, there's talent on the offensive line, but there's still question marks there because not all of them have done it here before. You got a lot of transfers, some Juco guys. Who knows how that'll gel, right? Uh, you feel pretty solid in the, in the running back room. You feel pretty good in the quarterback room. But as we saw last year, injuries, you're a couple you know, injuries away from – it being really tough. So I think worst case scenario is you win one game, you beat Florida A&M and then you hit Charlotte at the end of the year and Charlotte's 50 transfers have gelled by that point and they beat you. That's probably the worst possible case scenario. Now I think this is the least likely of the three scenarios we're talking about, uh, but that would be it, right? Your defense, no improvement. And then offense doesn't quite gel quickly enough, uh, and and they aren't able to. It's just like the last few years. That'd be the worst case scenario. Steve, what about yourself? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as as I puddle through everything, and and it, it's again not an indictment of the current team, but just kind of the the current luck of the draw. I I, I worst case scenario, you end up over here, and I mean that in a way that you might just get really unlucky again for the fourth straight year, really. Um, you know, Florida A&M, which should be a talent disparity. You could get unlucky. The injuries pile up, you know, against Western Kentucky. Your team's not fully healthy by then. Florida A&M brought uh, a good bit of transfers in themselves from Division One schools. So, you know, the talent disparity isn't too, too massive there. Albeit there's quite a lot of distractions there. Um, you know, the other teams that you're statistically better prepared for, you know, the, the Rices of the world and Navies and Charlottes and, you know, debatably Temple at times, you know, you, you just can't hit that stride against them. And and you you get the, the unluck just continues. And, you know, I, again, I don't think it's likely. I think under a new regime, under, think, under everything else, you should be able to see the improvement. You have depth there at certain positions. Um, you know, I think they'll, they'll talent their way to a win or two, but, you know, I think in the worst case scenario, you know, something horribly happens against Western Kentucky. You have to roll out a quarterback that may not be ready. You have to roll out, you know, receivers that may not be hundred percent healthy. And then you walk into, you know, a, a game that you probably should win against Florida A&M and just can't. And then at that point, the season's just going to snowball from there because you, you're at that point, Alabama's just going to come in and bully the shit out of you for. <laughs> Don't you know, worry, you got minutes. Alabama the next week <laughs> right? on national TV. <laughs> nice recovery. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that is worst case scenario, right? Um, so. But I think that's every had... team's worst case scenario, like, honestly. Right. Honestly, I don't. I mean, Bama's never going to go. Over. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia's can win eight games sleepwalking, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, so worst case scenario, right? We've had the who's going to be the quarterback question mark hovering around this program for this is what basically six years at this point since Quentin Flowers' final season at USF. Um, I don't. And it, it, in the comments, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm fairly certain no quarterback has started more than eight games in a season. Uh, maybe Blake Barnett was maybe 18, I think. Maybe in 2018 he did um, before he got hurt, maybe 2019. But it's been a long time since we've had a guy just kind of go through. And you guys may even correct me live on air. I don't know. But it – it says he played in 11 games in 2018. Okay. That makes I don't sense. know if he started 11, but I, I'm pretty sure he came back in for the uh, bowl game. So there's that. That was Chris Oladokin's final nail in the coffin where, okay, I'm going to transfer. Um, so there's been, un, you know, instability at that quarterback position. And uh, if you guys listen to the block boy round table, I'm massive on uh, you need a good quarterback in college football. It's not groundbreaking. I know, but you need some stability at quarterback and USF has not had that worst case scenario. You're cycling through four quarterbacks and now you're on the back half of the season, absolutely on the struggle bus. And now you got to figure out, Hey, do I want to burn Izzy Carter's red shirt? for what essentially is a catastrophe of a season 
Like, Steve, your worst case, you know, you're you're 0-3 going into Rice and basically all of the momentum um, is already sat, you know, sapped out of this program in September. I mean, it's nothing new. It's happened over the last four or five years where there, you know, there was legitimate groundswell lot even last season. People were excited going into the season, and then you got smacked by BYU, and that was it. Um, that is still on the table. And, like, as the, the pessimistic side of things, you never figure out the quarterback. The offensive line doesn't gel because you are replacing 80% of your offensive line. Your wide receivers who need to get healthy – Golish said that uh, on Tuesday that they're trending in the right direction to be healthy. Um, I, you know, saw Yusuf Terry go off to the side and ride the bike on on Tuesday like that. Those are things that continue to be concerns. It's uh, this wide receiver room. There, he's Golish said it multiple times. They can be really, really good or really, really average. And then the defense is just still a tire fire. Um, regardless of the switches and the, the incoming uh, influx of alleged talent, and you're now you're staring at one and eleven, two and ten, and you you fired a guy to win maybe one more game or the same amount of games in a worse conference. That's a tough look. I don't think it's likely, but it's a tough look, and it's that's where I think that's the floor for this year um and you can only go up i guess that'd be if, if you want the real worst case scenario which disclaimer is not going to happen but really worst case scenario they nix the stadium deal out goalish resigns he gets out of his contract scot free and now they're screwed that'd be the worst case scenario it would, so if goalish is back next year it's a it's a, it's a win Right? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically, yes. That would it, be the really worst case. But I don't. Th- I think that's off the table. But because isn't that built in his contract? If the stadium stuff gets, or that was kind yeah, of one. Of, I think that was kind of like an understood thing. Like kind of like, hey, we'll do this, and kind yeah. of like an agreement, kind of under the table handshake. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a legit possibility that like at the end of the month, uh, the Florida Florida governors doesn't approve the stadium and. USF is like, oh, crap. And then Golish is like, well, I'm out of here, guys. Deuces, if you're not building this thing. And then game one against Western Kentucky. Yeah. Like, head coach. You know, and he goes, oh, good luck in Bowling Green. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, the real boy. worst case. So one win doesn't seem so bad in, by comparison. <laughs> by comparison. And now I'll let you guys pick. Do you want to go on the polar opposite side of worst case to the best case scenario? And then end it with realistic, or do you want to end it with best case scenario? Hmm. I like. I, I I think let's go. Uh, maybe go best case, just to, as a nice little palate cleanser. Okay. From the um, um, saying that Golish is going to resign before the Western Kentucky game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll kick it off then. Right. Um, I was talking to some folks at the Bulls block party over the weekend. Um, and uh, I'm not a believer in momentum, I, I, especially in the in a game. I think it – I don't know. I've never been a believer in momentum. But, man, if you beat Western on September 2nd and then you beat FAMU and you're 2-0 going into Bama and 
you're, you're losing to Bama. I'm sorry. Like, even in the best case scenario, <laughs> you're not beating Bama. Like, but you I'm, cover. Let's say you cover. Yeah, you cover. You, you cover. All right. And then you beat Rice and you go up to Navy, who I don't think is going to be very good this year. And you beat Navy on September 30th and you turn the page to October and you're sitting at four and one. And you only have to win two more games to be bowl eligible. And you still have UAB and FAU and UConn and Temple and Charlotte on the schedule. You got to feel pretty freaking good about your chances of being bowl eligible for the first time since 2018. That is the absolute best case scenario is you go guns blazing. You shut down Austin Reed. You shut down Malachi Corley. You, you do everything that you can. The defense goes from quite, quite literally the worst to bad. Stinks. Stinky. Like 131 to 90. 98. 90, yeah. let's, let's, 98. <laughs> let's pump the brakes, all right? The offense clicks. You figured out the quarterback. You haven't had any devastating injuries to any skill position players that you were relying on. And that's the... Uh, that's a massive question mark is are we going to see the soft tissue injuries that we've seen over the last couple of years? That's what I'm interested in that they brought in a, like a director of speed and agility and all of this stuff. This is where I want to see it get paid off that your best you're healthy. You, you get out of Bama, you know, relatively scot-free yeah, you, you cruise through Rice, you cruise through Navy. Nobody's knees have been chopped off by Navy, and you're you go up to UAB. You're two and zero in Birmingham over the last seven years or something like that. I can't remember how they did against UAB, but you're two and zero in Birmingham, and you continue that trend. You beat UAB, and you're sitting pretty at home the next week to knock off FAU and become bowl eligible and be six and one at the just over halfway point of the season. Yeah. Sign me freaking up. And then you still got UConn, which who knows last year, they won some games last year, but they also seemed like they played a weird brand of football. Then temple at home and Charlotte. Those are all three, not games that you, you think you'd be in, in terms of you probably, it's probably within a touchdown, the spreads I would bet. So, yeah, I agree. I think that the best case scenario, if everything goes well, you're making a bowl game, which if they make a bowl game in this first year, that is huge. That is a, a just a massive improvement. That'll be more wins in one year than the entire last three years combined, correct? Yep, and yeah. one fewer than Charlie Strong's last year and Jeff's three years. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, I mean, just um, – at, at, if if it lays out like Nathan's saying, you could definitely you could get to seven. I, I think if you can steal one of if you steal Western Kentucky, that changes the map. Um, I don't think you get that one, but there's still you could be you know if AMU, Rice, Navy, and UAB are all winnable. I you know I think those are all winnable games to start, and then if you get that momentum going. Um, some of it is uh, more instead of maybe not momentum, but like a little bit of a belief, a little confidence, because I think that's something this team has lacked. Um, even going back to Strong's last year, we talked to people on staff and they're like, this team has no confidence. This team has no like swag yep. or belief in themselves. It's kind of all fake juice, right? So 
but if you can get that, you got a bunch of guys that are new. You got a coaching staff that's new. They won't know any better at that point. They'll think, hey, man, we just got to figure it figured out. So best case scenario, I agree, bowl game. I think that's more likely than the worst case scenario, but I, I, it's still not the most likely, I don't think. But <laughs> it's on the table. The schedule is not hard comparatively nope. to some years past. No, it's not. It's, Steve, what's your best case scenario? Yeah, it, it's it, – and I don't want to tar- harp on the past too much, but like last year I think USF had like the injury slider turned like all the way up and it yeah. resulted in just the worst of luck, right? Yeah. But we didn't really see that from other teams. And so I think like best case scenario, that script kind of gets flipped because you look at some of these teams that you can kind of chalk up like a loss to. Uh, and I, again, I'm taking – I'm taking Alabama out of this equation. You know, you look at FAU, uh, you know, if, if Casey Thompson gets hurt, if Larry McConnell gets hurt, um, Larry McConnell cannot remember his name. You know, if they get the injury, bad luck that we had, maybe that game flips. You look at a team like Memphis, if, if Seth Hennigan gets hurt, you know, things might flip flop here and there a few times. UTSA, Frank um, Harris gets hurt. Who knows what's behind him? It's, he's on a six. Oh, I'd be so truly, sad. I would be right. I would be too. But like, but like, you you realistically, I mean, there there are games that you can win on the schedule that like you might be able to flip, and I think that's what I would want as my best case scenario is that you're able to flip a game on its head because the other team had injury bad luck and you did it this year. You know, I I talked about it a little bit. It's like, you know, Jeff Scott for all intents and purposes, like did everything he possibly could to put the team in a competitive state last year. And then 56 players got injured. And it's kind of like, well, what, what are you supposed to do at that point? Like you can only build up depth so much. Maybe that injury bug gets spread out to some other teams and, and things get flipped. So I think, I think at the best you can kind of get eight games out of a win or out of this uh, eight wins out of the schedule like this given you might be able to pull uh, a really good rabbit out of your head. I think there are games that they're just going to straight up lose because the team is brand new and there's a lot of gelling and, you know, there's some continuity, uh, you know, elsewhere around the conference. So you might have to deal with that. But I I think eight wins is probably my like absolute best case scenario. You know, we're going to put a contingency to put a statue of Alex Golish at the stadium uh we're going to commission uh you know the acc is going to be calling us and be like please how much money do you need for us to be blessed to have the university of south florida in our wonderful conference and then you know you you get started and we all start going again yeah let's give us smu share yeah just just give us what they didn't want (laughs) psychopaths seriously that's oil money right there. Sorry, just the, on a tangent. That's just oil money. Just like, yeah, we we can cover that. That's fine. Yeah, you're measly thirty million dollars. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, all right, let's focus on the realistic. As I mentioned, the uh, over under is four. Uh, that's DraftKings Network. They are the. They don't know it, but they are the unofficial sponsor of our sports betting um, for the Bay area examiner uh, blog boy Roundtable, and pod by the Bay. Um, so shout out to them. Just don't tell them that we're saying that they're, they're unofficially sponsoring us. Um, four wins, Seth, realistically, what should we expect 
from this 2023 iteration of South Florida football. So we talked about it on the Blog Boy Roundtable. If you didn't listen or watch, listen and watch. Um, <clears throat> I think four is the number. I've, I went on a Rice pod earlier or early in the summer, and I said I thought four was the number. Um, I look at – so. If you guys don't follow Kelly Ford on Twitter at K, I think he's at K Ford Ratings. Um, he does a great job, and he's got basically realistic expectations out for every team. He's got USF at four point seven wins. It's kind of where there he has them. Um, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games on their schedule that are within one score either way in terms of what his predicted line is. So I, you know, the, I think the, you win FAMU, which is not one of those games. And then you, you win four of those seven, you win more of those than you, more of those toss ups than you don't, that gets you to five. I think you, and you're over the four wins. I think four to five is realistic. I went over, uh, but I think four is a really possible, real big possibility. It's really, you know, this team hasn't won a lot. Winning something, you kind of got to learn a little bit too. So there might be a game that they should win. And we've seen it the last few years. How many games have they probably should have won? You get down to the end of the game, somebody doesn't make a play, something happens, they end up losing. You know, if they can make those plays in a couple more games, that could get them to that, you know, bowl game area. But I don't expect them to make all those plays in all those games. So, I think four, right where the number's at. Those guys make a lot of money in Vegas for a reason. Um, now, this team, just real quick on Kelly's, uh, he had them at like four and a half wins last year, and they underperformed expectations quite a bit, 129th in the country in performance relative to their expectations last year. Now, some of that might be what Steve mentioned with the injury luck. I think that's a big part of it. Um, but... You know, I think four is a good number. I think if you get to four, you feel pretty good, especially compared to the last few years. Four seems great. Steve? I think I've got five. I, I, I'm, I'm, Another over. I'm teetering. I'm teetering on it. I'm teetering on the four and five. If it was four and a half, I'd be beside myself because um, I'm now understanding better terms and everything like that. But I, I, I keep on thinking back to – something that I mentioned last night, the discord and it's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. Uh, it's, it's the Theseus's ship uh, parable. I think at a point, cause I think everyone's main talking point about this team right now is can the defense get fixed? Can the defense be like Nate mentioned, can they be, or Nathan, sorry, I keep on calling you Nate. Uh, can they unreal? <laughs> unreal. This, nice can, the Bears, this team be bad, not terrible, and uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And I think when you, if in a Theseus's paradox, uh, you look and you basically replace a lot of the major players from the team last year. You replace the entire <laughs> defensive staff. And from what we're hearing from the defensive staff, who again, this is a completely different staff, is that. The team is the defense is putting it together. They're playing well together. They're gelling. They have things to learn here and there, but they're doing well. They're they've exceeded goals expectations. Uh, he mentioned that. And again, these are these are new people coming in, bright eyed and cheery and everything like that. So I think at an extent, you have to kind of say, 
they they probably are going to be better on defense. I, I think in the most simplest right. terms, they're going to be. It's it's whether and the offense can it keep up. They they blazed a trail last year. I, I think there might be a little bit of a drop off, but I, I think that's where you might get the fifth win. Is that this is a different team with a different system with a different belief with a different guy calling the plays, and so you won't get the mistakes at the end of the game that result in you know a, a loss. You won't get a, a bad fourth and three call at Temple that resulted in you know a, a terrible um, decision or anything like that. So I mean, you look at it. I mean, Florida A and M, Rice, Navy, UAB, um, and Charlotte gives you the five wins or yeah, it gives you the five wins right there. Again, I'm tossing it up because I don't think UAB is that bad, but I think UAB has the potential to be that bad just because I'm I'm not a Delphi believer at this time. I haven't seen enough, you know, proof of concept there. Are you, are you telling me you don't trust a guy who was coaching uh, high school defenses to be able to take on the college game as a defense coordinator? He he played in the NFL, right? That's that's the big thing for him is that he well, played in the and NFL. It, and and he brought his DC from his from his high school. His defense incredible. coordinator is the DC from his high school, and then I, the offensive coordinator is Chris Morrison's son. This is hey man. insane to me. High school coaches, uh, <laughs> it's not it's not <laughs> the jump's not as big. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't if I'm a first year head coach, I'd probably get some guys a little more experience, but. Like Brian Van Gorder yeah. was right there for me. He just, just well, I don't. I think that may be a net <laughs> net positive that <laughs> they didn't hire him. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think five wins. I think five wins is my <laughs> it's my realistic half glass or half uh, is gla- glass is half full expectation. Um, don't remind me of the expectations I had in the past, please. Thank you. Okay, fair. Don't check my post history. <laughs> realistic I, I think it's four you know on on blockboard roundtable i said i thought it was gonna be a push um if you forced me to go over under four i think i'm gonna go under um they're bad until they're not bad and i am gonna stick by that um and see you mentioned we, we've kind of harped on it <clears throat> about the defense right uh the offense is for sure not going to be what they were. They finished 30th in SP plus last year. They were really, the offense was not bad and it, the offense was not the issue for the majority of the season. Right. I mean, you have a, you have two guys who are now uh, three guys who are playing P five football off that offense last season. Um, you have another one who's playing at a conference foe at ECU. Like these are, there are some dudes that were on this offense um, and to expect them to keep that pace is asinine and you're setting yourself up for failure. There are going to be bumps in the road, especially early on with this offense. Like what you see Western do is what USF is going to want to do. Eventually they're going to want to throw the ball all over the place, create mismatches, find their guy and go with it. It's going to take a while for them to figure that out. And there's only so many practices in fall camp and spring, and especially with the injuries to the wide receiver position in spring and fall so far, that's tough to figure out who that guy is. And once we figure out who the quarterback is and they start gelling, 
it may help, but I think five is a, is a stretch. It's realistic, but it's a stretch. Um, I think four is pretty good, and honestly, three is three is fine, fine for me. If once again you start seeing the improvement later in the year, and I think the the most realistic thing that I want to convey to the fan base is you cannot, and I mean this sincerely, judge them off of Western in Alabama. Western is going to be one of the more prolific offenses and teams that they're going to face, and then Bama is Bama. Let's reassess after September 30th and see where we're at. I think that's the realistic expectations. I know it's going to be doom and gloom. You know, the, the game day threads, the you know, Twitter's going to be a, a set of plays when Western just pops 45 off on them. Like, oh, here we go again. No, Western's really freaking good. They've got a really good offense. They played a really good South Alabama team in the bowl game that had a really good defense, and they just throttled them 44-23. And it was, like, easier than the score would indicate, too. Yes. So, they're good. They just, like, let's figure out what this team looks like after Rice and Navy, maybe even into UAB, and go from there. I think that's the proper realistic expectations because if you're going off – two of your first three games when you're going up against dudes, you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. And if you think losing the Western is a failure, then you don't know where this program has been the last six years on, on, uh, on our, our, just to mention the K Ford ratings again, he's got kind of the expectations for, you know, how often do they win this many games? Uh, three to five is 64% of the time they win three to five games. Makes sense. So I, I think that's that tracks to me. Yep. It's not what we just said. Basically, yeah. just, they, they, that, they, that, they, that was the range we gave right there. You're yeah. welcome. Three that's that's uh that's us in a nutshell, I think, in the most uh <laughs> well, I like how you were right. the most negative in the worst case scenario and then the most positive in the best case scenario. I you're Listen, man of, you're man of I actually, I was going to say something I shouldn't uh, <laughs> go into the next segment. Hurry before I say something I shouldn't. Well, well uh, I think that's it. Uh, that, that's it. We wanted to set expectations. We um, next week we will. It's game week, baby. We're going to we're going to be previewing football. There's going to be real stuff to talk about. Uh, maybe we'll know who the quarterback is by then. Who knows? Maybe we'll know if the you got something in your eyes, Seth? Yeah, I'm sorry. No worries. Um, maybe the wide receiver will be healthy. Maybe we'll find out more. Um, but until then, we don't. And it's exciting times. And college football is upon us. We're, as we record this on Wednesday evening, we're three days away from college football. That's right. One last, one last question for you guys. Over under on how many ores are on the depth chart? Because I'm assuming we'll get one next week. There's what twenty three or twenty four? Uh, are, are, are you talking about uh, just a quarterback or every single position? <laughs> every single position. How many ores are we talking? All What's right, the so over under? I can book four ores already for quarterback. Like I was just told, I like told that straight it's up. They're going to be, they're going to be oars next to every single quarterback. And then I made the joke. 
wow, you guys are really leaving out Ryan Boldick and that's messed up. And I got a, a cackle and a laugh. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, 12 and a half. 12 and a half oars. All right, Steve, over or under. What are you thinking? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with like 20 and a half. I, I feel like they're going to think just over. absolutely. I, I think I think they're they're gonna go with a lot of oars here. I, I think that that depth chart is just gonna look like I know I know we joked about Jeff Scott doing like the blank depth chart, but like that blank depth chart is about to tell us more than what this <laughs> oar chart is gonna look like because it's gonna be like <laughs> like every position like or 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 or. And if you want to hear us talk about some of those oars, uh, we're gonna go deep dive on the defense for the. Patreon extra podcast this week's the Ponderosa is about the defense and we even throw a little special teams in for Stig. So uh, if you're not subscribed to that, jump in there. There's some really good stuff, some good info on the discord, uh, some good info on the Patreon and uh, some good info on the extra podcast. So if you're looking for more USF content, join us on Patreon. And with that, thanks for tuning in. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.